Denise Grody, and welcome to the Amplify OT podcast. I'm an occupational therapist by trade and a policy wonk by choice. This podcast is here to help you survive and thrive in the U.S. healthcare system for a better understanding of policy, advocacy, and value-based care. So let's dive in. Welcome, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Amplify OT Podcast, all about the patient-driven payment model. I received a lot of requests to talk about this topic. Um, The patient-driven payment model, also known as PDPM, is what is used in skilled nursing facilities, and there's a lot of questions I get about this topic, um, especially with how exactly occupational therapy fits into PDPM, and so I am finally talking about it today, and then I promise there will soon be an episode all about the patient-driven groupings model or PDGM. So today we're talking about PDPM in skilled nursing facilities. PDPM was implemented October 1st of 2019, so it's still a fairly recent payment change. Um, It was implemented because of the Balanced Budget Act of 2018. So not only did the BBA of 2018 repeal the therapy cap, required the addition of the OTA payment differential, but then also required the creation of PDPM and PDGM. Now, that bill is not the only thing that influenced PDPM. It also came about because of the 2014 Impact Act. Now, the Impact Act passed in 2014 out of Congress, and it started working towards a unified payment system for post-acute care. So post-acute care includes long-term care hospitals, inpatient rehab facilities, skilled nursing facilities, and home health. So when we're talking about post-acute care, that's what we're talking about are those settings. So the Impact Act of 2014 said that CMS needed to start working towards some sort of unified payment system, unified tracking and outcome system for post-acute care for Medicare beneficiaries. So you may be familiar from the Impact Act because it is what required the creation of the CARE tool, which then eventually led to what we now know as Section GG. So Section GG is used in all post-acute care settings in various ways. And so that was kind of this first step towards the standardization of post-acute care. And now we have these new payment models coming in like PDPM and PDGM. And if you look at both models, they fairly similar uh, mirror each other. So that's kind of why we have the patient-driven payment model is because of those two primary pieces of legislation, as well as multiple other issues that were identified with the old system. All you have to do is look up, you know, skilled nursing facilities and Medicare fraud, and you'll find a ton of articles all about how skilled nursing facilities use the old rug level system to drive up revenue through overprovision of therapy because therapy was such a huge revenue driver under the old rug system. And so because of those issues and others and the Congress mandates is why we now have PDPM. So I want to talk a little bit more about kind of the old rug system because it helps provide a better picture of why we have PDPM as well. So the old RUG system, it was RUG 4. This is what we had before October 1st of 2019. And the RUG system was very much a volume-driven system. So in a way that it incentivized 
a higher volume of care in order to make more money. So it wasn't really based on patient characteristics, but instead was based a lot more on the quantity of care that was provided. And so there was different rug levels and it was based on the nursing care that was provided, therapy, and then your non-therapy ancillaries, which primarily includes pharmaceuticals or drugs. The therapy provision was based on the number of minutes you provided per week to that patient across all disciplines. And so there were thresholds at around 300 minutes, around 500 minutes, and 720. So facilities would try and get as much therapy in as possible at those thresholds. And CMS identified that looking at their data, the amount of therapy provided kind of went up at every single one of those thresholds. So all of a sudden there'd be a huge bump in therapy at 300 minutes and it'd go down. And then there'd be all, a bunch of therapy provided around 500 minutes and it'd go down. And then a bunch of people were providing therapy at 720 minutes. So it was clear that they were targeting their therapy provision based on these rug levels in order to make more money. So they weren't sitting for like, you know, shoot for 600 minutes because why would you do 600 when you're not gonna get paid anymore if you do 500, right? So. That's how this old rug system was used and therapy heavily drove revenue in skilled nursing facilities. So that's why there was always so much therapy in SNFs. But obviously the problem is, is that we know that providing too much therapy can actually be harmful at times to patients, but also it takes away a lot of the clinical judgment of the clinicians to decide how much time they should spend with someone. Um, you know, this is very common practice under the rug levels for clinicians to be told you have to spend 45 minutes with them today, otherwise we won't meet their rug level. Lots of different things being pushed on these therapists in order to be the most profitable in rug systems. So because of all those issues, we have now have PDPM, which completely changed things. But also under the rug levels, it really didn't change based on patient characteristics. You know, there wasn't any kind of accommodations for comorbidities, really, or for their functional levels. It was just based on service provision. So there's really only like three buckets, and it kind of all got pushed down into a rug level. So there weren't really a lot of different options. Now, PDPM is the opposite of that. PDPM is focused primarily on patient characteristics. But I figure we'll talk a little bit more right after this break. Are you ready to take your occupational therapy practice to the next level? Then look no further than the Amplify OT membership. You heard that right. Amplify OT has its very own membership program. This membership is designed to help occupational therapy practitioners just like you stay informed about the latest developments in Medicare and advocacy. You will have exclusive access to resources, webinars, the Mastering OT Policy and Medicare course, Q&A sessions, plus the ability to DM me your questions and get answers fast. But of course, that is not all. As a member, you'll be part of a community of like-minded occupational therapy practitioners who are share their expertise and offer support. So by joining the Amplify OT membership, you'll be able to stay up to date on the latest Medicare regulations and guidelines, learn how to advocate for your patients and your profession, connect with other OT practitioners and students to share your knowledge, and you'll have access to those exclusive resources and webinars so you can reach your full potential as an OT provider. So don't miss out on this opportunity to take your practice to the next level. Sign up for the Amplify OT membership today by going to the link in the show notes or amplifyot.com forward slash membership. Don't forget to stay informed and be the change that you want to see in our healthcare system. 
All right, welcome back. And so let's talk about PDPM and how reimbursement is determined under PDPM. So PDPM is different from RUGS in that it is primarily driven by patient characteristics. So service provision really doesn't matter in terms of the amount of revenue that you're going to make. Besides, you know, let's talk about quality measures and those sorts of things. If you don't provide any services, obviously you have terrible outcomes. But in terms of determining how much a facility gets paid, it's not determined on service provision. It's instead determined on a variety of patient characteristics. And the way that those patient characteristics are reported is through the MDS. The MDS is the initial assessment you perform within, I believe, the first three days of the patient arriving at the skilled nursing facility. It's an interdisciplinary assessment, and it includes section GG. So on section GG and on the MDS, you're reporting these different characteristics, such as their comorbidities, the patient's diagnosis, their functional levels, etc. And then each of those things is then broken up and it spits out a case mix index. Now for therapy specifically, the way it works is that OT and PT are calculated the same way and then speech has a slightly different category. So for OT and PT, the case mix index is based on the patient's section GG scores. So section GG includes a couple of self-care items, a couple of bed mobility items, some transfer and ambulation items. So section GG score is converted to a functional score. That functional score is then totaled, and then it spits out a case mix index number, or a, it's a letter. And so that case mix index is then used to determine the reimbursement for those services. So you have a case mix index for the PT, one for the OT, for speech, nursing, and then non-therapy ancillary. Now speech, theirs is not determined based on section GG. Their reimbursement is based on a variety of factors like their um, their cognition, their swallowing, their diet, those sorts of things um, that much more heavily impact how much therapy, how much speech is required and whether or not speech is even required for that patient. So, and with that structure, under the old rug system, SNFs got paid the same amount every single day of that patient's stay. So from their first day to their 100th day, the skilled nursing facility received the exact same amount of money every single day as a per diem payment. But under PDPM, instead, it's a variable per diem payment. So it changes. Now, for non-therapy ancillary, the payment's really front-loaded. So for drugs, because, right, when you go to the pharmacy, you pay for all your drugs up front to last, like, 60, 90 days, whatever. So for nursing facilities to pay for those drugs, you have to receive the money up front. So non-therapy ancillary, it's front-loaded, all that reimbursement. But for therapy, so PT, OT, and speech, it's an adjusted payment, a variable payment. So for the first 20 days, the SNFs receive X amount of dollars based on the case mix index. So for the first 20 days, the skilled nursing facilities receive the same amount of money for therapy services every single day. Now, after 20 days, the amount that they receive drops every seven days. So from day 20 to day 21, they receive less revenue on day 21 than they do on 20. Now, the reason for this is because if a patient is there for rehab and if they are improving, they should need less therapy as they progress throughout their length of stay. So that's something to keep in mind as therapy practitioners is as a patient is moving through their 
care through their stay at a skilled nursing facility, we should be looking at how we either need to better optimize our visits or how we can decrease our plan of care to reflect the fact that the patient is improving, right? A patient on the day that they discharge should not require the same amount of therapy on the day that they were admitted. Otherwise, we may be providing too much therapy or we provided too little at the beginning, or we aren't truly providing a value-based service, something that needs our skill and our training. And so that's something to keep in mind when we're looking at skilled nursing facilities saying, this is what we're facing, this is the reimbursement. You know, we need to keep in mind that they are in fact getting paid less every seven days after the 20 days that the patient has been there. And that's part of why too, there's an incentive to get patients home, not only because the patients wanna be home and that's really the best place for them, but also because revenue goes down the longer that the patient stays there. So those are some of the different systems that are playing at the skilled nursing facilities when we're talking about reimbursement. And you can see how those sorts of things kind of play into our practice. So that's kind of the nitty gritty of PDPM and how it's reimbursed. So the main things you need to know is that therapy no longer directly drives revenue like in the rug systems. So the amount that they get paid is not based on the quantity of therapy that is provided. So there's no longer this requirement to make sure you get 100 minutes per week or per day or whatever it is. Now you still need to provide enough therapy that you're getting good quality outcomes and patients are satisfied, but it's not a direct driver of revenue like it was before. And also that PDPM is much more based on patient characteristics. So their diagnosis, their functional level, their comorbidities. And so those are the things that you need to know about the patient in order to be reimbursed accurately. So in order to make sure that your facility is receiving accurate reimbursement, the primary thing you need to be doing is making sure that you have accurate scoring on section GG for the functional levels, because if the scoring is not accurate, then your facility will not be reimbursed accurately for the services that you provide. But we'll talk more about Section GG and what it means for PDPM and OT after this quick break. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by MedBridge, your go-to resource for advancing your occupational therapy career and, of course, getting those necessary CEUs. If you are passionate about staying at the forefront of our field and enhancing your skills, MedBridge is a comprehensive solution. With the MedBridge subscription, you gain access to an extensive library of high-quality live and recorded courses led by industry experts. So stay up to date with the latest advancements in occupational therapy, explore evidence-based practice, and enhance your clinical skills. One reason that I really like and recommend MedBridge is because they have both intervention-based courses and policy and reimbursement-based courses, and that is a rare find in a CEU company. But here's the best part for our OT amplifiers community. If you use the promo code AMPLIFYOT at checkout, you'll unlock an exclusive 40% discount on your MedBridge subscription. Yes, you heard that right, 40% off with the code Amplify OT, that's A-M-P-L-I-F-Y-O-T. This is a fantastic opportunity to save some money, elevate your practice, and support Amplify OT. So don't miss out on this chance to supercharge your professional development and head over to MedBridge.com, use the promo code AmplifyOT, and enjoy the benefits of MedBridge while also supporting Amplify OT and all the free resources that we produce here, like this podcast. So again, head to medbridge.com, use the code AmplifyOT at checkout, and we also have the link for you in the show notes. So Section GG, right, 
It's a standardized assessment that's used in post-acute care, and it's scored on that MDS as part of the initial assessment when the patient's admitted. If the patient is scored as too functional, so more functional than they actually are, then your facility is not going to receive sufficient funds because CMS recognizes that a patient who is more functional should not need as much therapy as a patient who is less functional, right? Which is something that we all know. If a patient is extremely debilitated, extremely um, unable to take care of themselves, or they're not functional according to this measure, then they should require more therapy than someone who is really functional and is able to get around a lot better. They shouldn't require as much therapy. It's the same thing like with comorbidities. If someone has a lot of comorbidities, they typically require more services than someone who doesn't. So if a facility is scoring the Section GG inaccurately, predominantly in the way of being too functional, then they're not going to receive enough money because if a patient is truly low functional, but they aren't scored that way, then CMS is not going to reimburse enough. And then there's not going to be enough money to cover the therapy that's necessary for that patient to receive good outcomes. So the first thing to look at if your facility is struggling financially or if your facility is putting a lot of pressure on therapists to perform because they say that they're not getting paid enough for those services, the first thing that needs to be looked at is whether or not the MDS and Section GG are being scored in an accurate manner. And this is a really great opportunity for therapy practitioners to step up and assist with that because it is intended to be an interdisciplinary assessment. So there is zero reason as to why Occupational therapy and physical therapy and speech therapy observations should not be included as part of that MDS and Section GG assessment. CMS states in their Section GG guidance that the best way to score Section GG accurately is through observation. And because occupational therapy practitioners are experts in task analysis and self-care, function, mobility, cognition, occupational therapists are the perfect clinician to participate in this kind of scoring to make sure that it is accurate because we are comfortable and familiar with scoring these items through observation. And so it's critical to include occupational therapy as part of that care team. And it's a great opportunity for OTs to step up and fill that role that's needed in skilled nursing facilities. Now, this isn't to say that other practitioners don't have a lot of value to add in scoring Section GG or in scoring the MDS, but after all, this is the Amplify OT podcast, so I'm here to talk about really the benefits of OT, and I think we're just a perfect solution to some of these problems. So for occupational therapists to step up and support some of these initiatives through accurate scoring, because they have to be scored a very specific way per CMS guidance, this is a great opportunity for occupational therapists to provide training to other clinicians on how to score these items, on how to appropriately assess ADLs and cognition in order to rise up the whole team, because not every patient is appropriate for OT, and that's okay. And I do want to be clear that the reason I'm saying occupational therapists and not occupational therapy practitioners is because OTAs are not eligible to score Section GG because it is an evaluation. That being said, OTA observations can be used by the OT to contribute to collecting the patient's typical function over the first 30 days to then better reflect an accurate score on Section GG. So their data is important to have. And I cannot say enough how important it is for Section GG to be scored accurately, 
not only for accurate reimbursement, but also for accurate quality outcomes. And although quality outcomes may not directly impact reimbursement currently in all skilled nursing facilities, value-based purchasing is coming. So it's really important that those quality metrics accurately reflect the quality of care that is being provided by the facility. So this is a great opportunity not only for OTs to step up and fill those roles of accurate scoring, but also they can participate in looking at the data of the agencies, identifying weaknesses, and then identifying how we are better able to help support high quality outcomes for patients and for the facilities. Plus, you never know what kind of opportunities may come out of that conversation for your own personal career, but it's also a great opportunity for you to be the change in the profession be the change in skilled nursing facilities, and be the change for those patients. Now, the last thing that we're going to talk about in regards to PDPM is group therapy. Group therapy is a big issue, and now we don't hear about it as much under um, you know, the public health emergency under COVID because we haven't been able to do groups as much as practitioners, but it's important to know that under PDPM, there is a 25% uh, restriction on group therapy. So you cannot provide more than 25% of total therapy minutes as group or concurrent therapy, and that is per discipline. So you can't provide like 30% group in PT and, you know, 20% group in OT and call it even at 25%. It's per discipline. So only 25% of OT total minutes can be group, only 25% of PT total minutes can be group, and only 25% of speech therapy minutes can be group or concurrent. Now, knowing the difference between group and concurrent is important. Concurrent therapy is when you have only two patients doing two separate activities with one therapist. And so that's key. They have to be doing separate activities in order for it to be considered concurrent therapy. Now, group therapy is four or more patients doing the same task with one therapist. So the key difference here is that it is the same task instead of different tasks, and it is four or more patients versus two. So that's the difference between group and concurrent. Now it's 25% of total minutes for the stay. So if you don't know how long a patient's going to stay, you don't necessarily want to front load a lot of your group minutes because then if they only end up staying a short time and you front loaded all of those group minutes, you could end up being non-compliant with the law. And so CMS is paying attention to facilities that are consistently going over that 25% limit. Now, it is not a requirement that group or concurrent therapy be provided, and it should only be provided at the therapist's discretion under their clinical judgment of who can benefit from group or concurrent. Now, we know as practitioners that group and concurrent therapy can both be beneficial to the patient. Um, There's something that is really, you know, it's evidence-based that it's beneficial for patients to engage in these kind of treatments with other patients who are going through similar uh, issues as them. But that doesn't mean that everyone's appropriate for group or that every activity is appropriate for group. So it still needs to be evidence-based, have goals, relate to their plan of care, and somehow benefit them in their plan of care. So there's lots of ifs, ands, and buts around group therapy. um, And it's important for us to know, you know, kind of what patients are appropriate and to be able to advocate for our patients as to who should and shouldn't be engaging in group or concurrent therapy. So I think that's kind of it in terms of the basics of PDPM. So if we had to summarize, PDPM is more focused on patient characteristics and outcomes versus service provision. Uh, Therapy is no longer a direct driver of revenue, so therapy provision does not drive revenue like it did under the RUG systems. 
that only 25% of therapy can be provided as group and concurrent, but it is not required. And there is no sort of requirement in terms of the amount of therapy that is provided. So it's supposed to be up to the therapist's clinical judgment. We really need to be focusing on that high value of care because we know that more care does not necessarily indicate better outcomes. So making sure that we're really providing care that requires our skill and is actually beneficial to the patient. Um, So don't just do the same old treatments because that's just not going to cut it under these new value-based care systems. So those are kind of the main summaries. As always, please let me know if you have any questions. And I will have an article posted soon to go along with this podcast. And I'll have it linked in the show notes as well as any other resources. If you made it this far, I want to just take a moment to say thank you so much for listening to the Amplify OT podcast. And I hope you're feeling a little more inspired and prepared to amplify your value and the value of occupational therapy. If you found yourself at any point thinking, gosh, I guess policy isn't that dull and boring, then you're definitely going to love how we talk about policy and advocacy in the Amplify OT membership. There's a link in the show notes where you can sign up today so you can take an immediate next step towards emerging as a confident clinician. And of course, don't forget to follow the Amplify OT podcast so that way you never miss an episode. And you know, while you're there, why don't you go ahead and leave us a five-star review because that's the best way to help others find the podcast too. And of course, thank you so much to Jessica Riccio for editing this podcast and for all of you for giving me a reason to record it. You're now officially part of the OT Amplifier community, and you are now prepared to go out there and advocate for OT. Because remember, if we don't advocate for occupational therapy, then who will?